Lebrea. Welcome to another episode of the Lebrea Purveya. I am your Lebrea Purveyor, Pete Phillips. I hope you've enjoyed recapping season one of Lebrea with me. We are coming to a close of season one, and hopefully I'll be able to keep track of season two as it happens. This podcast has kept me distracted from a few stressful events in life, and so I thank you for supporting it and supporting me. You are appreciated. Speaking of appreciated, let's turn to the show that we all love. Let's get into episodes eight and nine of La Brea Season 1. Episode Recap The title of Episode 8 is Origins, but our camp is actually starting at the end, cleaning up after the storm from last episode. Eve and Levi are flirting. Maybe? It's kind of hard to tell. She says that she's glad he's here, and then she takes his hand, but she's not going all in because she has this whole family thing going on at the same time. Oxytocin ramps up the rush of excitement and fuels that bonding that we have early in a relationship. But while the oxytocin is important for building a relationship, it also naturally starts to fade away in 9 to 18 months. The thinking is that this is part of our evolutionary inheritance. After a couple is emotionally bonded, they need to stop myopically focusing on themselves 24-7 and instead get busy nesting and making a family. So the relationship starts to settle, sex often begins to drop off. In his book Predictably Irrational, Dan Ariely argues that people have an irrational tendency to keep options open for too long, and so end up chasing impractical options. Given the greater freedom in modern society, people are, quote, beset not by a lack of opportunity, but a dizzying abundance of it, he writes. We want to taste and experience every aspect of life, regardless of price, thereby spreading ourselves too thin. I'm not sure what to expect from these two, but it's definitely going to cause some hurt. Scott, Josh, and Riley try to make a greenhouse out of car windshields. Scott is realizing that they need to live off the land and that the mushrooms off of trees won't last forever as food. But the greenhouse falls apart when Lucas touches it. At almost the exact same time, Sam sneaks off and shakes out his last pill of alprolizan. This is basically Xanax, anti-anxiety medication. This tips us off to wait for Sam to really go nuts in this episode, and he does. Something happens in the woods, and basically they find the kid from the fort watching the camp. This makes Sam aware that they have no protection. They need teams to patrol the area 24-7. They need to protect themselves. The boy's name is Isaiah, and Eve takes care to help him after he falls and gets a big cut on his wrist. Eve and Ty are ready to take Isaiah home to the fort and do a little peacekeeping at the same time. Para was convinced. Kid's grandfather had nothing to do with it. You know, Lily saw him after Eddie was killed. Someone else could have done it. All of our resources were wiped out by the storm. The kid is hurt. It's dangerous in the woods, and he needs help getting back to his home. We need help trying to figure out how to survive. Clearly, his people know how to do that. Right. A diplomatic mission. I don't think that's a good idea. I do. We need to make peace with Pada's village. This could be a first step. And if they don't see it that way? We'll have to make sure they do. Sam and Levi remain suspicious of the people at the fort. But as Ty said, they don't know who killed Eddie. They just think that it's the old guy. Once spotted by guards... Eve, Levi, and Ty are taken into the fort like prisoners until Para sees them and tells the people to chill. 
except the old guy is just as suspicious as Levi, so he protests, but ultimately loses. Para promises to show them what's up in terms of farming on the land, and then they can go back to the clearing slash camp and replicate what they saw. She also mentions other neighboring communities, which brings an excitement of the unknown to us, the viewer. Back at the La Brea camp, a.k.a. the clearing, our folks are pairing off to become patrol partners. Riley is going to go with Josh, but Sam's like, you two are too horny to work together. Not really, but that is kind of what he's getting at. Except Riley caught Josh's douchebag virus, and she tells him to mind his own business and storms off with Josh. Josh's Sherpa-lined denim jacket is really starting to get to me, too. Cut to The Surface, where Network News has a headline that says dozens are missing and presumed dead. That's simply not possible. Dozens could cover maybe one building that fell in the hole. So I stand by my calculations that I revealed to you last episode. Izzy is being passive-aggressive like a good teenager because her dad is pretending to move on from the sinkhole. But after she goes to school, Gavin sets out with Dr. Nathan, a.k.a. Sophia, to meet Ella. But Ella is elusive. The person who runs the gallery, her work is displayed at, promises to pass along their contact info. But once they get outside, they see Ella in a sweet station wagon, and she drives off to escape them. At the fort, Levi is ready to brawl with Grandpa, but Ty is like, Could you just let it go? Like, for everybody's sake, just let it go? Again, they don't know that Gramps did it, but Levi remains suspicious. And Levi does what any good man who's running a situation would do. He just blurts out, Why do you want to help us? Para explains that her people lived on the land for quite some time, and only 60 years ago the holes started to open and sky people started falling through. One was a passenger ship from the ocean. When people made it to the shore, they didn't want to get along with the tribe or the native people, so they fought and warred for years. Eventually, with so many dead from the war, the remaining people on both sides called a truce, and now they all live together at the fort. And Para would rather help and be at peace with the people from the La Brea Hole. On the surface, Izzy is approached by a kid from her English class that she has never really noticed before, and his name is Andrew, Andrew Velez, brother of Riley, the man police believe to be the son of Sam. She's found a fellow mourner, and he invites her to go to a memorial vigil, but she softly declines. Josh is trying to get laid on patrol, and Riley tries to keep him on task, but she finally relents, and they kiss. I'm wearing you down, baby. <laughs> I'm wearing you down. Elsewhere, Lily is passing out bottles of water to people who are on patrol, but Mary Beth sends her back to the camp because it's too dangerous. Along the way, she finds Veronica, who says that she found a place for them to live, but Lily's like, I don't want to go. Then Mary Beth sees Veronica, and then Sam comes over, and they're all like, Lock her up. Evidently, his medication is completely out of his system already because he snaps and cuffs Veronica to the steering wheel of a Subaru. She, rightfully so, freaks out. At the fort, Isaiah loves Eve. He's all, Can I show you some of my toys? He sits next to her, takes her to see things that he likes, and that's sweet. He even opens up to her about his history. Is it just you and your grandfather? My parents died when I was young. I'm so sorry. 
lost my father a few years ago. Do you miss him? Every day. We grew up together on a farm. He loved the outdoors. He loved fishing, too. I wish I could remember my parents. My grandfather doesn't like to talk about them. Sometimes it can be hard to talk about the people we lost. Do your parents have any friends here? People who can share stories about them? No. No one knew them. They didn't live here? No. Me and my grandfather came here a few years ago. Your grandfather's not from the ship? Where's he from? I'm not allowed to talk about that. Levi sneaks off to root through Silas, a.k.a. Grandpa's things. He finds Eddie's wallet, and that's all he needs to back up what he already thought. That Silas killed Eddie. He tells Eve, who steps away from Isaiah. But when it all comes together, Silas says he found Eddie's body when Lily saw him, so he ran. He didn't actually kill Eddie. Para's like, yeah, someone's out there killing people. She found the walkie-talkie guy, who was killed the same way. They brought him to the fort and placed him under a symbol of protection, the handprint. While we're learning all of this, someone goes, Isaiah is missing. A woman took him. Now who is she? Mary Beth confronts Sam about the extreme punishment of chaining someone to a car until further notice. When Scott, Josh, and Riley find Veronica, they are also annoyed at Sam. They free her, but not before she goes into anxiety-induced anaphylaxis, which I didn't need to know existed. Sam manages to get her breathing, and it seems like everything's okay, but someone really needs to talk to Sam. Riley does. It turns out he has PTSD, and he's been keeping it a secret from his family. He's scared, and Riley tells him that's okay. So they're kind of back to normal from the fight this morning. When you're all stressed out, your body releases hormones and other chemicals, including histamine, the powerful chemical that leads to allergy symptoms. While stress doesn't actually cause allergies, it can make an allergic reaction worse by increasing the histamine in your bloodstream. Unfortunately, stress and allergies go hand in hand, says Los Angeles-based ears, nose, and throat doctor Murray Grossen, MD. Once the allergy season is full-blown, the combination of miserable allergy symptoms, nights of fitful sleep, and fatigue definitely leave you in need of stress relief. Gavin gets hit with a vision, one of Eve and Levi sitting close and getting comfortable with each other. Oh my lord, what have I done to deserve this? Izzy disappears from school, but Gavin knows where she went, and he comes clean to her at the beach that they used to vacation at when they were one big happy family. They make peace with each other, and they hit up the vigil on the way home, because why not? There they meet Andrew, and they see all the pictures of the people who are in the hole. Yes, the board in front of them happens to have most of our main cast on it, but there are lots of boards and lots of attendees. More than dozens, for sure. Guess who took Isaiah, by the way? Dr. Rebecca Aldridge. She parachuted into the hole. I missed that, even though this is the second time that I'm watching this season. Silas catches up to her before anyone else does, and he says, Hi, Rebecca. What? And then he stabs her and takes Isaiah to hide in a cave. Eve and Levi are not far behind, and they find Aldridge, who he recognizes from his picture of the Mojave Hole people, and they take her back to the fort for some care. She'll only talk to Eve, though. Because the doctor has a bombshell. You wanted to see me. The boy is special. There's something he has to do. But Silas is 
need to trust me. How do you know who I am? It doesn't matter. What's important is that you find Isaiah. Why? Why me? You have no idea who he is, do you? Gavin, Izzy, and Sophia try to bum-rush Ella at her home, which has a sinkhole right there in the yard. Gavin says that the home and the area feel familiar. And then he has a vision. It's of Silas, and it's through the eyes of Isaiah. Isaiah is Gavin. He is Steve, and he needs your help. I don't understand you. I don't I just don't understand you. I don't understand the things you say. I can't understand a single word. Episode 9 starts with a doozy situation. Eve and Gavin both know that he's Isaiah. Levi picks up Sam and Riley to give Aldridge medical attention, and Josh comes along because Levi kind of tells him to. Once at the fort, Eve makes time to explain things to Josh, who is, of course, very Josh about the whole thing. Mom, this is insane. How the hell could that kid be dad? I'm just telling you what she told me. Well, obviously she's wrong. Hold up, you don't actually believe her, do you? I don't know. It's just... It's just what? There's something about him. His eyes and, and his smile. Mom. Your dad doesn't have any memories from childhood. And he was the same age Isaiah is now when he was adopted. And I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just I'm trying to understand it. Josh doesn't believe Aldrich, but she explains... When you said... Isaiah is Gavin. I understand why you wouldn't believe me, but it's true. Gavin was born in this world. He came to ours through a sinkhole in Topanga in 1988. That's where your dad was adopted. There's a portal on top of a mountain in Topanga. It's open right now, and it leads to 1988. You have to get Isaiah through it. How do you know all of this? It doesn't matter. So, if Isaiah doesn't get to the portal to go through to 1988, then there's no Gavin, there's no meeting Eve, there's no Josh, and no Izzy. That sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) I'm joking, although it is true. As the portal closes, Josh and Izzy will get progressively sick, and this makes me wonder if Josh and Izzy would just, like, slowly die Or would they cease to exist, like disappear? But we don't have time to think about that just yet. Ella comes home to find this gang of oddballs in her yard. That would be, again, Gavin, Izzy, and Sophia. She's like, beat it, but they don't. Instead, they find out Ella's story, which we already knew, and she can't remember her life pre-adoption. And she has visions, too, ever since the La Brea hole opened. She's been pumping out prehistoric art since that time. Gavin lays it out. They need to save his family, who are in 10,000 BC, and Ella knows something. She's immediately overwhelmed. You know, that's understandable. And kicks them out of her house. If Isaiah went through the portal to become Gavin, who will be Ella? I think I know. I'm not telling you. Silas takes a moment with Isaiah in the cave that they're hiding in. He says... You are the only family I have. But Isaiah is kind of mad at Silas because he stabbed a lady and is basically holding him hostage. Makes sense, don't it? Right? And then there's another kidnapping duo. Lily is trying to comfort Veronica after last episode's panic attack. 
Veronica's shame makes her want to ruin Lily's life. She wants them to separate from the large group, but Lily won't. Veronica feels like she'll never be accepted by the group and doesn't really want to stay with them. Oh, I forgot to tell you that Scott saw a cow, too. A big black and white beauty. He tells the camp, and everyone laughs at him dismissively, but he's going to set out and find this cow. No one will help him, though. But then Scott isn't the only person who needs to prove himself to be taken seriously and show that he can contribute. So Veronica tags along, and while Scott is initially uneasy about this, he takes her on because he's kind of a cuddly teddy bear of a human. Eve, Levi, Para, Ty, and Josh are all hot on the trail of Isaiah. Josh takes a jeep, and while he's driving, he sees Isaiah, and off in the distance, he sees a saber-toothed tiger stalking Isaiah. Josh floors it and smashes the tiger with his jeep. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt, but he's fine. The jeep, however, is not fine, and even though Josh would be the first person to give someone crap about that, no one does to him. Like, a whole wheel fell off the jeep. Tony and Billy can't fix that. Now they're all off to Topanga to find the next portal opening at the top of a mountain. Wait, what? While looking for Isaiah, Ty and Para make out, and that's lovely. I want Ty to live forever. Turns out, Isaiah freed himself while Silas was out picking blueberries. For real. And now he's wandering the woods alone, until he hooks up with Team Jeevi, that is, Josh, Eve, and Levi. While hiking, Josh is talking to Isaiah, the episode title is Father and Son, after all, about how Isaiah's dad sucks, and so does his. Isaiah's like, I don't know, your dad looks cool to me, and he looks at Levi. Josh goes, that's not my dad, and he asks why he would think that. Because when somebody makes a mistake, that's what you do if you're a rude teenager. (laughs) Isaiah's like, I saw them holding hands at the camp, plus they're like all over each other, dude. Open your eyes. Okay, he only said the first part, but that's all it takes to piss off Josh. Eve lays it all out for Isaiah. You have to get to this mountain to save my kids. Silas is watching from a distance, and he's got a few armed friends with him. Gavin, Izzy, and Sophia need proof to show Ella that their story is true, so they drive all the way back to L.A. so that Gavin can steal an artifact from the dig site that Aldridge had, then drive all the way back to show Ella. It's a real stone that she painted from one of her visions. She's got to believe this, and she can clearly see the stone in her mind. Aldridge heals enough to sneak into Silas's tent and steal a book, but she's so cryptic. I can't understand a word you said the whole time. In the meantime, Team Jeevi find a ravine that they have to cross, but there's only one rope bridge. So Eve and Isaiah cross together, but Silas shows up and takes Levi and Josh prisoner. But not before Levi can cut the bridge so that it falls and no one can cross there anymore. Silas says that he'll kill Josh and Levi if she doesn't take Isaiah to the next bridge down the ravine and trade for them. Oh boy. I mean, L.A. to Topanga is 10 hours on foot, and she doesn't have time to do all of this. So then Para and Ty show up, and they say that they'll run back to the camp in La Brea to get help, because Para doesn't know who in her camp is on Silas's side. Now it's like geography isn't real, so now they're going to run five hours back to get help from the La Brea camp? And what help are they looking for? I mean, maybe if you have one of the guns that's floating around, that could help, but that's all I can think of. While all this drama is going on, Scott and Veronica are cow hunting, 
and it opens the door for Veronica to tell her story about coming from a broken home and living on the streets before her quote-unquote dad took her. He saved her, she thought, but now she's not so sure. One thing they're both sure about is that they found the cow. Moo! Scott also finds a barcode tattooed behind the cow's ear. When they bring it back to camp, everyone is surprised and accepting. But that's short-lived because Aldridge is also coming up to the clearing. This is Dr. Rebecca Aldridge. She came down here during a second rescue attempt. Unfortunately, the mission didn't go as planned. I was the only one who made it through. But there is hope. Looks like there's another portal. This one's in Topanga, and it leads back to the year 1988. We came down in 2021, so how is there something open in 1988? You think of time as moving in one direction, the past to the present. But the truth is time is more like a circle. Everything's happening at once. The point is, this portal is a way out of here. Eternal recurrence is the idea that all events in the world repeat themselves in the same sequence through an infinite series of cycles. Nietzsche presents eternal recurrence as a paragraph from his book, The Gay Science. What if some day or night a demon were to steal after you into your loneliest of loneliness and say to you, this life as you now live it and have lived it, you will have to live once more and innumerable times more, and there will be nothing new in it but every pain and every joy and every thought and every sigh and everything unutterably small or great in your life will have to return to you, all in the same succession and sequence. Would you not throw yourself down and gnash your teeth and curse the demon who spoke thus? Nietzsche calls the idea horrifying, paralyzing, referring to it as the burden of the heaviest weight imaginable. I know this is a lot to think about, but you have to decide quick. The light's closing tomorrow. So, who will go, and who will stay? Some characters weigh in, but I'm more of a show-me rather than tell-me guy, so I'll just wait for the jump to happen. On the side, Aldridge also recruits Lily to go to Topanga and get through the portal. She tears a paper out of Silas's book and gives it to her. It's a map of the holes. Hello, Lily. How do you know my name? Do you mind if I sit down? for you. There's something very important I need you to do. Everything okay? I need you to take me to Topanga. And we have to leave now. And who has that paper on the surface? You guessed it. It's Ella. And when Sophia, Izzy, and Gavin inspect the paper, they discover that a new hole will open in Seattle tomorrow. So while one is closing in Topanga, one is opening in Seattle... And I can't help but think we might just have a ironic role reversal on our hands pretty soon. We end the episode on a strange situation. Eve tells Isaiah to wait for Para and Ty to come back while she goes to save Josh. So she abandons a boy in the dark, in the woods, in 10,000 BC, to go argue with a mad old man across a ravine to save a son, who kind of doesn't like her. Um, okay, let's take a break. What just happened? When I set up segments for this podcast, I didn't expect everything to overlap so much. I mean, how many times did you say, what? During these two episodes. 
And even when the questions are answered, more questions arise. So let's do our best to work from the top. We have an answer to one of our long-standing questions. We know that the handprint symbol means a sign of protection. So each time we see it around dead bodies or over the fort, we see that they are trying to protect things, like divinely, I imagine. It's not necessarily a sign of good. For me, it looks like people can co-opt the handprint, just like people today can co-opt religious symbols to mean what they want. We also got an answer about why no one could detain Aldridge after she jumped out of the plane, because she jumped into the hole. And based on her personality, I bet that that's what she wanted all along. And Gavin just fell for it with the whole big plane and all. Also, who has that plane now? If we believe the Fort fam, then Silas didn't murder Eddie, and someone else is running around murdering people with electrocution in 10,000 BC. And Scott's barcoded cow could mean that there is more tech than we thought. This is a more rhetorical question, but you're telling me that Gavin is Isaiah and Ella is Lily? And that time is a circle? And Para gave us her people's entire history in one brief monologue? Sorry, I just had to get those out. Another question. Is Dr. Aldridge actually a bad communicator? Or is she just cryptic because she can't give away too much of the plot at once? Like, she seemed cool at first, and I'm very disappointed with how much of a tool she's become. If it wasn't intentional, that would be one thing, but she keeps baiting people with vagueness and saying, it doesn't matter. She's getting to be just as annoying as Josh, but for different reasons. Another thing to wonder, after all of this action is over, do you find yourself going, What in the hell? Like, we suspended our disbelief for episode one, but now we're expelling our disbelief from school altogether. It's going to have to re-enroll at another school or start to take online classes. Our disbelief could be shattered, and I think that's why critics see the show as bad, because it's hard to believe. So is Iron Man and Harry Potter, but they're super popular. So I guess the question is, how much longer can the writers keep topping themselves? Digging deeper. I am nervous about Lily being thrust into the central activity of the show. They don't really talk about Billy and Tony anymore. Scott's still around, Veronica's like kind of there, but if we lose Lily as a go-to distraction from the Harris family, I'm going to be pretty bummed. So let's review Lily. She landed in 10,000 BC and saw her fake dad attacked by a saber-toothed tiger. Then her sister wouldn't let her talk to anyone, and then she did and revealed her truth. She was kidnapped by Veronica and the fake dad. Her real dad sounds like a family man. He was her softball coach, and it seems like she had it pretty good. She's now been tasked with getting Isaiah through the portal to land with him in 1988 where she gets separated from Isaiah, as we kind of know happens, but then grows up to become an artist with a big show coming up. And you know what? It's not easy to be an artist for a living, and I'm kind of worried about her upcoming show. Maybe if she goes missing, it would like boost her notoriety, but I don't think that that's necessary. Plus, what exactly is she doing on the surface? Ella and Gavin came from the hole, but how will she actually help? Did I miss that? Oh, oh, the hole that opens in Seattle, that's right. So she had a piece of paper that told them that the hole is going to open in Seattle. Do they even need her anymore? 
I'm not sure, but I can promise you that Gavin, Izzy, and Sophia will not let her off that easy. Of the character, actor Chloe De Los Santos says, I like that Lily is more of a complicated character than just your usual everyday person. It made her a really interesting role to play. I agree, and that's why we like Lily. Hey, here's a fun fact. The actor who plays Veronica is actually named Lily. Fascinating! In the Media Reviews. This week for In the Media Reviews, I thought it would be interesting for us to pursue a place where reviews are very questionable. That would be the Internet Movie Database. But before I start, I found this interesting tidbit of trivia on the La Brea IMDb page. It goes a little something like this. Carbon dating is a method to estimate the age of an item that used to be part of a living organism. Therefore, carbon dating of a metal ring with a stone makes no sense. (laughs) I am disappointed that I did not bring that to your attention earlier in this podcast. I don't know how you become a featured review on IMDb, but the featured review for La Brea says, Subject familiar, body the 70s called, and they want their premise of one of their Saturday morning shows back. Land of the Lost. Don't mess with my childhood. Unfortunately for user Gail Cave, the 70s actually don't own any Saturday morning shows. It's actually a decade, and thereby cannot own anything. I thought I would look for some 10-star reviews. That would be 10 out of 10. And I came across this one, Age of Genius, who wrote this. It's like they took a brilliant idea and then hired fifth graders to write it. Somebody should be punished for this mess. Ten stars. Great show so far. Don't listen to the haters and the people who judge a show to be bad based on the pilot. The pilot was great, and the season preview after the pilot looks like it's going to get even better. Can't wait till next Tuesday. I recommend that you watch this great show. I couldn't agree more. And another totally enjoyable show. The negative reviewers have probably already stopped watching, so from a viewer who has actually watched from the beginning of the show, this is fun and has twists and surprises. Hopefully it will stick around for a while. And from another 10-star review, Subject, actually it's impossible to give the show a truly bad or a great review at this point. Body, the premise of the show seems decent. They currently have set the stage. From here, it's hard to tell where they will truly go. I can say that it has piqued my interest. This show is either going to be absolutely awesome or a complete flop. However, we all know many shows that flop are actually good shows. It does have some hints of Terra Nova, which unfortunately, while it was one of the highest rated shows at the time, was canceled because Fox Entertainment is full of a bunch of idiots. But I digress. I truly believe the show may be worth a look. However, judging it before three or four episodes would be foolish. Unfortunately, there's a lot of very foolish people out there who have nothing better to do than flame out online. This show has the makings of a great show, potentially, but only time will tell. I truly suggest that you watch it for a few episodes and don't listen to any reviews until you have actually seen the actual show and how it plays out. And so to be fair, let's just hit one one one-star review before we head out for this episode. 
Yikes, another PC woke garbage show from network television. The network seemed so obsessive about inclusion and being PC that their shows begin to lose all sense of reality. La Brea has a very ethnic group covered. It tries so hard to be PC that only white characters are bad. They even have a white cop who's bad. However, one of the main problems with the show is that the acting is truly atrocious. But maybe it's the director's fault. He has his characters just standing around reading their lines. Finally, the story. It seems so much like Lost. I have no intention of sitting through season after season like I did with Lost, only to be served a disappointing ending at the end and no real explanation. This is kind of a great review because the user, Roger Dobb, doesn't have a problem with the fact that these people fell through a hole to 10,000 BC. He says that the show loses reality because of its diversity. <laughs> we might not come back to IMDb reviews again. <laughs> so that about wraps things up for the La Brea Purvea for this week. The next episode concludes season one, and so we are leading up to our season two premiere. And next episode of this podcast, we will focus a little bit more on some of those season two elements that I have been dodging for the past couple of months as I make this podcast for you. So thank you for listening. If you'd like to contribute any feedback or your opinions on anything, you can always email those at shout at yallheard.me. Yallheard.me is the website for our parent podcast, which is called Y'all Heard. If you enjoy this podcast or that podcast, you are welcome to sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash yallheard. You'll get some extra content from me and my other podcast co-host, Marissa Phillips. Thanks so much for listening. I would ask you to rate and review the podcast, but to be quite honest with you, I'm going to keep doing it either way. So have a great week ahead, and I hope you listen next time.